Hello, and welcome to Belonging Before Believing, a podcast where we answer your questions about the church from the inside. Here we were just reading about a certain scientific study that I found interesting. Patrick, do you remember like an hour and a half ago when we were talking and you found this study on the internet about what had made it so that you were less prone to have symptoms of dementia? Yeah, totally. Hold on. Here, give me eight. 12 so if you seconds. Okay, here we go. Subject Ready? yourself According to... According to a new British study, the passing of gas will help you live longer and in a surprise twist. Oh. Smelling gas might even help prevent dementia. Researchers found that when you pass wind, you're helping yourself by lowering your risk of cancer, heart attacks, and the stroke. And the main ingredient of it is hydrogen sulfate, which researchers are beginning to believe inhaling actually causes your brain to grow stronger and protects your brain from dementia. So what up? Gas it up. Nice. (laughs) Considering all of the neutral and clinical ways that they devised to talk about farting, (laughs) something tells me they didn't end that article with what up? Gas it up. So I don't know about no, you. No, no, no. That's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's your little spin. I'm taking liberty. I yeah. I don't know about you guys, but as soon as I listened to that, my first thought is dementia symptoms don't really present themselves until later in life. And how long were they subjecting people to just just farts, just <laughs> just sniffing fumes? <laughs> Can you imagine doing that study and it's all for naught? Hey, you dementia patient, hang out here for a while. No, can you, can you imagine? Hold on, we're going to go get beers. We'll be back in three hours. Here's the worst case scenario. One, you already ha- you have dementia anyway. And also on top of that, the data is inconclusive. But it wasn't. It was conclusive. I know, but you're really rolling the dice or when you decide to participate in this study. Sure, I'll sniff farts for 27 years. No problem. <laughs> like, it had to be a, a, like a long period of time for that data sure, to be significant. Well, they had a more technical phrase than the farts. <laughs> Flatulence? <laughs> no, the, the, Passing wind? It was nitrous sulfate or, sulfate or something like that. I don't know. Here, just sniff on this sulfate for a while. <laughs> like I said. If, Get over your dementia. If I ended up with dementia and they told me the results were inconclusive, <laughs> well, I wouldn't really know because I'd have Look, dementia. Yeah, but Yeah, they, they've got a pretty, pretty strong study group right there, right? You could just <laughs> flow it in there and they're going to forget all about it in a minute. <laughs> That's probably how it started. It was probably just an accident. Just some guys screwing around, some scientists. You ever wonder if maybe this was good for you? (laughs) I think it cures the dementia. These guys won't protest. I know that much. Am I right? Am I right? If they do, it won't last. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. We're so bad. We're so bad. People should be treating their bodies like temples. (laughs) Not whiffing farts. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I thought I wasn't gonna lose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, we have we have 
We have serious question here, Patrick. This is not serious. <laughs> Get yourself together. This is not serious. No, we're going to talk about Leviticus. What's more serious than that? <sighs> okay. All right. <laughs> I picked the worst thing to Leviticus talk about. Leviticus is going to come up later. Start with the Corinthians. All right, fine. All right, wait, what's the question first? The question is, if our body is supposed to be a temple, why do Christians get tattoos, piercings, etc.? Because they're cool. What? Wait, where does it say that our body is the temple, first of all? Oh, I'm glad you asked. All right, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6... Um, not that these headings are inspired or anything, but under the heading that you'll see, flee sexual immorality. Um, should we just pick it up in verse 12? I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah, just read that whole thing. Let's just do it. All right. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then in verse 19, here's where we see it. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Right. So the, so the context, first of all, doesn't have anything to do with tattoos and piercings. Like, like not at all. In fact, it says that uh, sexual immorality is the only sin that you commit within the body. Right, right. Well, I, I, it doesn't even talk about there that tattoos and piercings are sin. Right. Well, doesn't even hint oh, at that. We're like way far away from that. No, yeah. no, no. I, I know, but I want to make that right up front clear for the questioner and for anybody who's listening that that because our body is the temple, it doesn't necessarily therefore follow that anything that you do with your body is inherently sinful, um, especially piercings and tattoos in the context of this question. But first of all, so let's let's back up a little bit. He makes a distinction about sexual sins. And that's probably going to be somewhat provocative for people who listen to this. And so I think we should address that first. The the reason why sexual sin is something that Paul here, the writer of this book, segregates or separates out from the rest of the other sins that we commit is because we've been created in the image of God and that in that image, if we're going to bring wholeness and unity, then it's going to be found in the context of marriage when the two people, a man and a woman, become one flesh. And that one flesh union brings wholeness and is the best way 
that God has given to us to glorify him. He's created us to be male and female in his image, meaning that there's aspects of the female that I, on my own, in my singleness, can't give glory to God in. And there's aspects of the femaleness, two genders, binary genders, that will... Oh, oh snap. That, that, you got, I got to say it. I can't, I'm not going to shirk from it. That, that glorify God. So God has created these two genders, these two binary ways that have, people have been created in the image of God. And when the two join together, a man and a woman in holy matrimony, that that relationship brings glory and honor to God because it will most glorify God in his image. So as we come together, we glorify God as husband. My, me and my wife together glorify God greater than if we were separate. So if I were to take my body and go have sex with a prostitute or have sex with other women or have other kind of relations with other people, be they male or female, then I am doing a disservice to the image of God that I have been created with and therefore I am damaging, I'm defacing, I'm bringing dishonor to the fact that I have been joined with Christ and my body is now the temple of his Holy Spirit. So technically, this verse only has to do with sexual immorality. And I'm including all kinds of sexual immorality there because yes, there were women prostitutes in the days when Paul was writing this, but there was also men as well. And we don't want to, I, I don't think we should minimize that, especially in the day and time we find ourselves in. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but here we are 10 minutes into this episode. We haven't even talked about tattoos or piercings yet. Right. Because we're defining our terms and we're making sure that the, the questioner asked about a specific concept in scripture, the body is a temple. And we want to go back to the Bible and say, well, how does the Bible define how our body is the temple, right? We can't answer that question unless we have that definition in front of us or else we're going to answer it incorrectly. I was not trying to have you defend yourself. I just found it noteworthy. I'm not defending <laughs> myself. I'm qualifying what I said, although I don't mind defending myself. I'm, that's fine, too. I, I know. <laughs> I've noticed. Bring it. Yeah. So okay. should we talk about tattoos and piercings now? Sure, sure. We should talk about... So the, the Bible very rarely mentions piercings first. Um, one of the places it mentions it is in Exodus chapter 21, after the giving of the Ten Commandments, where it's said that if you have a servant in your household who's a servant for a period of time, like they're paying off a debt, and they've paid off that debt, and they decide willfully to remain in the household then you're to take that servant and pierce their ear and that that piercing in their ear is a symbol that they're a servant in that particular household for the rest of their lives. So it was the way people made a living, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I can tell you right now, if you Google Exodus piercing, you will... Exodus 21 comes right up, huh? No. No? No, not at all. You will find Exodus tattoo and piercing in East Windsor, Connecticut. (laughs) Okay, what's in Exodus 21? I believe you. I was just trying to get it in front of me so I could follow along. 
That's fine. Sometimes I learn on these podcasts. I'm paraphrasing. Too. Yeah. But you go read Exodus 21 and you'll find that. It, and the concept there is indentured servitude. It's not slavery. Um, although I think the word slave is used there. It, it isn't the concept of slavery like we had in America in the 16 and 17 and 1800s of man stealing and um, that kind of thing. And, and property and chattel, it, ha- it had to do with the fact that I was an indentured servant, that I had a debt and I was paying it off, or I chose to attach myself to a person and be their servant, and that's the way I was going to make a living. So it, it's, a, it's way more like the concept of the employee-employer relationship that we have, just with more of a sense of permanency. That, so piercing, that's that's piercing. Right, the so other, obviously that's like one of the... Oh, you were about to say another Oh, the, there's a, the other place that it's mentioned in great detail in the Bible is like when um, uh, the, the servant uh, Eliezer finds Isaac's wife, Rebecca, and he pierces her nose and puts a nose ring in her nose. Oddly enough, my wife and I's first date, I took her to get her nose pierced. That was our very first date. Isn't that cute? Took her, got her, and she still has it to this day. Hmm. So, <laughs> so that's biblical. <laughs> biblical. You sound as so well. Twitter painted when you tell that story. I love my wife. <laughs> I love her nose piercing. It's it's endearing. <laughs> um, so that yeah, that was our first date. But that was also it's also um, a biblical method for piercing, and I don't think there's per se anything wrong with piercings. I, I don't find anywhere in scripture where it's like just straight up don't do this. Although I think the weird people that like pierce all their bodies and transform themselves into dragons and frogs and stuff, you know those people? That, that's, that's just self-mutilation. Like the whiskers? The whiskers? You can get the whiskers oh. like pierced yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, Pat. Yeah. You ever have any piercings? Yes. Yes. I've How many? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. For sure, eight. You're like pointing at your shoulders when eight. I'm no, watching no, no, you no. do these I'm counts. I'm thinking through. They were all above my neck. <laughs> all right. How's that? Is well, that fair enough? <laughs> Somehow by saying that they were all above your neck, it made my imagination wander where they... Anyway. They're all um, above my neck. Great. Um, any uh, out in front and center? So I had my septum pierced. That's the one. And yep. I had my tongue pierced. Those are the two biggies. Because my, my tongue being pierced came up from time to time. When I was an intern at, at a particular church... A long, long time ago, it was not only frowned upon, but asked to be removed, and I didn't, and I stopped being an intern at that particular <laughs> church. Oh, because you had to take your piercing. Yeah, down. but my septum, okay, so my nose being pierced, as soon as I did it, to be perfectly honest, I knew, dang, I, I shouldn't have done this. And there were times where I was around, and I was, I, I thought in my mind, you know what, I'm glad I have my nose pierced here, and it was just purely out of arrogance. It was like I wanted to look hard or have this image. And so... I remember you using those exact words when you were talking about running into some guy who had like some tattoos and piercings and you had just taken yours out and yeah. you were pissed. I was pissed, Because yeah, if no. he had only seen you when you had yep. had your septum piercing yep. in still... Oh, dude, I'm arrogant. 
I'm so cocky like that. It's so true. <laughs> I mean, in different ways now, but it still comes out. But that it's true. I there was a time where I had that in, and I wish from time to time. But I'm glad I didn't have it. After that, I realized that was one of the things that early on in my Christianity made me realize how arrogant I was and how big of a sin it actually was in my life. And so for me to take that out and then to take my tongue out and some of my earrings and my lip and, you know, out, I kept my earrings until the last. I mean, (laughs) till the end, I had those big, fat, huge hoops in. Um, But eventually I ended up taking those out too. And now I don't really think about them too much anymore. Uh, But I've had piercings, but I don't have any ink. I've never gotten a tattoo you don't have any tattoos, right? No. Your wife does. Yes. And my wife does. Yes. Yeah, they, they have tattoos. So so it behooves us at this point to talk about tattoos. Yes. Right? Since both of our wives do. And there are passages in Scripture that actually do talk about tattoos. Specifically, Leviticus, what is it, 13, 7, 13, 18? 19, 28. Yeah, oh, I was way off. So right. Leviticus 19, 28 says, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead, or tattoo yourselves, I am the Lord. So the context of this one is specifically going, the the children of Israel who had escaped, who had been brought out of the land of Egypt by God, going into the land of Canaan, and God is forbidding them from adopting the practices that the people in that land were already doing. So one of the things that we find later on in the history of Israel is the people who worship the false idols like Baal, they would cut themselves in their worship. And there's this famous battle with Elijah and the prophets of Baal where um, whichever one of them is the real living God is going to send down fire from heaven. And the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and flailing themselves and whipping themselves and just bleeding all over the place to try to get their God, Baal, to show up and actually do something. And Elijah's making fun of them. Well, this is a, a, a heart of idol worship. And I believe that there, this is demonic and that there's, you know, demons behind these idols and they cause people to destroy themselves and to, to do serious bodily harm to themselves in order to worship them. And God is saying here in this passage, don't do that. Don't cut yourselves. And then he adds, and don't mark yourselves for the dead because a part of this idol worship was ancestor worship. And so they would tattoo themselves to remember their ancestors, but remember them in a way that wasn't like fondly, like, oh, I'm just remembering my aunt who died. But it was like, I have this, and because this is on my body, it is now a part of my communion with this dead relative. And now I have a point of contact to stay in communion with their ghost, their spirit, this dead relative, my dead ancestor. And so you would mark yourselves in various ways, whether they were slashes or, you know, dots or intricate symbols or whatnot, for specifically these people who had died, so that you remained a connection with the dead. And God says, don't do that, because the dead are his domain or his realm that we're not to idolize, we're not to pray to, we're not to worship, we're not to venerate people who've died and gone before us. So while I get all that, my question would be, in that case, 
would it be appropriate for any kind of memorial tattoo? Sure. So I, I so we don't have any, to the best of my knowledge and understanding, New Testament principle that interprets this for us. What we have is this was an Old Testament principle that applied to the children of Israel in their particular context. And the best we can do is extrapolate from that and say, if somebody today were to get a tattoo and it were to be along the same lines of where they, it was, they were trying to commune with the dead. This was a point of attachment for a ghost or someone who'd passed on, then I would have a problem with that. And I would well, yeah. seriously caution someone from doing that. I, I the would, issue there is a lot deeper than just a tattoo. Right, right. No, and you're getting my point. Yeah. That's exactly my totally. point. So if, so, okay, but, but that's most of the time not the case, right? Oh. Most of the time it would be like, okay, you and I have both had sons who died. And so I do have a ring that I had made when my son died that has his name on it in Hebrew because both of his names are Hebrew names. And inside the ring, it says Coram Deo, which means before the face of God. Okay. So I don't wear it very often because I don't want to bust it up and stuff. But I do wear it from time to time, and it's a way for me to remember him. It's a way for me to have that memory attached because there's a sense where if I don't have something, then there's a part of me that loses the memory of that. I think that's why memorials and gravestones, and we go to graveyards and we go to these places where they're at, not to pray to these dead people, but to remember them. Those are, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think it's important that we do have these places where we remember these people who've passed. We remember the good that they were into our lives. We're able to go there and thank the Lord for the times that we did have with them and and whatnot. So I, I have not myself gotten a tattoo specifically for Jonathan or you for Charlie, but, um, if you were to do that, I, I would probably just ask you honestly why you were doing it, and then I probably wouldn't think anything of it. Especially because, eight years later. Right, but I, I think I would know the answer that you were going to give me. So when people get these tattoos in memorial of people, I, I and, and I've had people do this in our church, I ask them specifically, okay, why have you thought this through? Is this just an emotional response? Is it just a, I need to do something? Is it like, I'm hoping for a point of contact with this, you know, and I've, I, I want to listen for those kind of phrases because if there's any spiritual element to it at all, I want to warn them and be, you know, make sure that there's some caution there. If it's just a memorial, you know, like the, the same thing with my ring that I had made, then, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Um, and, and I don't think scripture has a problem with it. Yeah. Well, you definitely have to take a look at this paragraph because I don't know anyone who would even point to this, um, verse that can hold up the rest of the paragraph. Right. So this is verse 28. This paragraph is verses 26, 27, and 28. Let's start at verse 26. You shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. So hope you're not ordering your steak rare. (laughs) 
Well, it's talking about a little bit more than that. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, though, like, obviously, the the tattoo is talking about something different, too. Right, but this is all in the context of idol worship. Is it all idol worship? Yes. You're eating this meat and you're drinking this blood in the context of worshiping a false god. Oh, I've got so many questions that'll get us so far off track after that. Anyway... Um, but you continue on. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. Sure, I'll grant you that. No, Miss Cleo, got it. You shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. Right, because that was the way that people who were worshiping the false idols would denote themselves from the rest of the people who lived in that land. Not unlike today, you can look at certain people of certain religions because of the attire that they wear, because of the way that they grow their beard or cut their hair, you know exactly who they are and who they're worshiping. And God is telling them, don't do these same practices that the people in the land are doing to connote the type of idols that they're worshiping. It's God saying, don't be weird, dude. (laughs) And and worship me because I'm God and these aren't gods. Right. Yeah. Um, No, I... I think my uh, I think my point stands though that if you're going to tell people, hey, you can't mark yourselves for the dead because of this verse, and you're gonna right, take then it, you I, can't eat red meat and you yeah. can't right. No, I I get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree that that's not what they're talking about there, but that's not what the tattoo reference is talking about either. Right. So let's talk about tattoos. So is it wrong to get tattoos? No, dude. Honest, honestly, if I could think of a cool one that I would want on me forever. Like, I'm more open to getting a tattoo for myself, like, this very day than I've ever been in my life. I can't think... I just can't imagine what I would get. I just can't think of anything... Oh, I've thought of lots of things, and I have great ones. (laughs) I would love a big, huge, giant anchor on my back that just looks super crazy cool because of that passage in Hebrews 6 that says Jesus is the anchor for our soul, that he's gone into the Holy of Holies, and that my soul is anchored in heaven because of Jesus. I love that idea. But dude, who has money for that? Yeah. Like, I don't. So I, <laughs> so I don't get it. I can tell you one thing. If I was going to do it, I would have an entire sleeve, like all the way down to my wrist. Yeah. I would just go, I would dive into the deep end. Yeah. I would do it. So I can't think of a single, apart from what, what we're going to say in the New Testament is don't worship false idols is if you if there was a part of idol worship that caused you to get tattoos, for sure you shouldn't do that. But let's be honest. In our society, in the culture, in America today, that's not what tattoos are. Tattoos are body art. Tattoos are something you think is beautiful and cool, something that, that accentuates your personality or communicates to other people. Here's what I like. Here's what I'm about. And as long as it's nothing overtly crazy sinful, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I, I, I kind of think it's cool. And I, I don't, I, I think it's something that as Christians, we need to get over. It's one of those things like alcohol, like drinking any alcohol that just, you know what, we probably, it's time to get over that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely something that makes a lot more sense given like a two kingdoms mindset. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't know that one. I honestly didn't think we would end up talking this long about it because it's pretty pretty simple in my mind. But 
Well, it's it's simple in my mind, honestly, too, but, but people have serious questions. And whenever we go back to an Old Testament passage like Leviticus, we have to be real careful because there's a lot of weird ideas out there that, you know, come from Leviticus like, oh, you can't eat selfish, you can't wear polyester, you know, this is bad, that is bad, this, what about this, this, this. And people will rattle those off without actually looking at what's actually being said. And if, if we do that, then we do a disservice to God's word and we do a disservice to one another. So when we come to these questions that take us back to the Old Testament, it, it behooves us to take a, a take, slow down, take a minute and really define our terms and see what's actually being said there. So if you have any great tattoo ideas for Patrick or myself, send those over to belonging before believing at sovereignjoycf.org. Um, we will get in touch with you with our Venmo information. So or you want to tattoo me. So you can send us the... Uh, big anchor. The I actually have a tattoo artist who owes me a tattoo session. Dude, why doesn't one owe me one? He said it's transferable. If you want to tat... Oh, gosh. Here on the air, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, you, if, if you want an anchor if, on my back, if you, I'd love that. Oh my god! Or gosh. an anchor on my forearm, like the Popeye. We might, we might talk, cause yeah, I, I have a free tattoo that he said I could give as a gift to somebody. <sighs> so if you have any ideas of some cool anchors, send those to belonging before <laughs> believing at sovereignjoycf.org, where we believe that you belong. Yeah.